0: This podcast is a production of Restoring the Core, an initiative designed to assist those looking to explore classic Christianity with connected age resources, online at RestoringTheCore.com. This is Finding Hidden Treasure, episode 99. This episode is the second of two parts of the audio of an article which I wrote through the Ashland Theological Journal entitled, The Morning and Evening Sacrifice, A Sacrifice of Praise Through the Psalms. My purpose in writing the article was to lay the foundation for a connection between the twice-daily sacrifice of a lamb, one in the morning and one in the evening, with an ongoing purposeful sacrifice of thanksgiving to God and Christ by means of reading and praying from the book of Psalms. The reading picks up at a point just before the Reformation, as hand-copied books called the Book of Hours became the layperson's version of the breviary, a large and complex collection of prayers used by the clergy at the time. Once again, I hope you will find the following to be instructive, as well as motivating you to begin or to continue, as the case may be, a purposeful daily sacrifice of praise to our great God in Christ. The following is part two of this reading. After the Reformation swept through Europe in the 16th century, the use of fixed hour prayer continued. Luther's liturgical revisions maintained the canonical hours of matins, morning prayer, and vespers, evening prayer. The Church of Scotland, in its 1647 Directory for Family Worship, instructed, For secret, that is personal worship, it is most necessary to perform this duty morning and evening and at other occasions, emphasis added. The Book of Common Prayer is a collection of ancient Christian prayers, first compiled and customized for use by the Anglican Church in 1552. Among the prayers in the Book of Common Prayer are daily morning and evening prayer, Despite numerous revisions since 1552, the morning and evening prayers have been retained right up to the present day. The second thread, the Psalms. The Psalms have been called the Hymnbook of Israel. 150 in number, the Psalms make up the largest individual book in the Bible. They cover the range of human emotion and human interaction with the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. The Psalms offer praise to God in the midst of the circumstances of life. One finds joy psalm 98 anger psalm 109 sorrow psalm 137 anguish psalm 6 verse 3 and wonder psalm 8 verses 3 through 5. in the midst of these emotions god is the one worshiped and looked to as the ultimate meaning of human existence psalm 62 verses 1 and 2. the new testament is filled with quotes from the psalms These quotes are not incidental references. The Lord Jesus used Psalm 110 verse 1 to point to his true identity as a descendant of King David, yet possessing more honor than David. The crucified Lord's anguished cry of despair to God was a direct quote from the first verse of Psalm 22. On the day of Pentecost, Peter used Psalm 16 to prove that Jesus was truly the Messiah of Israel. The disciples understood Psalm 2 as a prophecy of Herod and Pontius Pilate's complicity in the death of Jesus. The Psalms which sing God's praise also provide a wonderful testimony of his son Jesus. From the start of church history, the Psalms found a place in the hearts and minds of Christians early liturgies in the church featured a responsorial use of the Psalms in which verses would be chanted and the worshipers would echo back a single refrain. Even today, many Christian denominations still use responsorial Psalms in the course of corporate worship. A great love for the Psalter was attested to by the fourth century theologian Basil the Great. In his homily 10 on Psalm 1, he wrote, the book of Psalms has taken over what is profitable from all. It foretells coming events, It recalls history, it frames laws for life, it suggests what must be done. A psalm implies serenity of soul. It is the author of peace which calms bewildering and seething thoughts. The voice of the church therein is perfect theology. The early Christian devotion to the psalms was evidenced in the 1984 discovery of a Codex Psalter in Egypt. The completely intact book, written on 17-centimeter by 13-centimeter sheets of parchment, was found at an excavation site in a Christian cemetery 85 miles south of Cairo. This psalter, bound with a wooden cover, was found under the head of the corpse of a 12-year-old Egyptian girl. The text was written in the Coptic dialect of Anchirhynchus. Both the burial site and the book date back to the late 4th century. Such a burial gesture must have reflected the reverence in which the girl's family held the psalter. Gaudet Gabra, the director of the Coptic Museum in Cairo, Egypt, where that old Egyptian psalter was put on display in 1992, related that, I can imagine her parents and their grief when she died deciding to give her the most precious gift they knew, the Book of Psalms. It was the ultimate gift. The psalms became the core of the divine office. They were chanted, that is, sung by monks as early as 8500. As Andrew Hughes writes, the main purpose of the divine offices is the recitation of the psalms. It was an early ideal for the monks to chant the entire psalter every day. Yet, in the rule of Benedict, an early book of regulations and instruction for monks, a concession was made. The 150 psalms would be chanted during the seven canonical hours over the course of one week rather than in a single day. While the entire Psalter would be recited during the week, the actual Psalms used during a given session of the Divine Office were not necessarily sequential, that is, Psalm 1, then 2, then 3, etc. Like the fixed hour prayers, the structured recitation of the Psalms also found a place with the laity. An example from early church history is that of Macrina, circa 327 to 379. Macrina was the sister of Gregory, Bishop of Nyssa. She was a student of the Psalms and avidly used them throughout her daily activities. In a letter to the monk Olympius, Gregory remembered that she, that is Macrina, was especially well-versed in the Psalms, going through each part of the Psalter at the proper time, when she got up or did her daily tasks or rested, when she sat down to eat or rose from the table, when she went to bed or rose from it for prayer. She had the Psalter with her at all times, like a good and faithful traveling companion. The Psalms were the heart of Christian worship well into the era of the Reformation. In early colonial America, the congregational singing during Sunday worship services consisted of the singing of the Psalms that had been put into meter, that is, rhyming musical verse. The importance that this form of worship had with colonial American Christians is seen in the fact that the first book printed in British North America was a 1640 collection of metrical psalms called the Bay Psalm Book. This devotion to praising God with the psalms continued in the piety of the early New England home. The piety of praising God with psalms in the context of home worship is found in the example of Jonathan Edwards, 1703-1758. to It was common for Edwards and his family to mark the start of the Sabbath on Saturday evening at sunset. At sunset, they offered a prayer, the lighting of a candle, and the singing of a psalm. The Psalter was also used as an instructional tool in Puritan, New England. Psalters such as the Ainsworth Psalter contain not only the text of the Psalms, but explanatory notes as well. Alice Earle points out that such a Psalter was not only a dictionary, but a perfect encyclopedia of useful knowledge. Things spiritual and things temporal were explained therein. The Book of Common Prayer also makes provision for a structured reading of the Psalms. In conjunction with its morning and evening prayers, the Book of Common Prayer parses out the Psalms in numeric sequence, special church events and Sundays accepted. The Book of Common Prayer arranges the Psalms so that a handful of them would be read during morning prayer and another handful read during evening prayer. Rather than going through the entire Psalter in seven days, such as Benedict's rule, the Book of Common Prayer takes its reader through the 150 Psalms in a month, the two threads woven together. As can be seen from the Bible and church history, Christians have a rich devotional background in fixed-hour prayers, such as the morning and evening prayers, as well as the rich use of the Psalms as a premier hymn book of Christian praise to God. These practices have transcended language, culture, time, and place. They provide for us a time-tested pattern for keeping Christ in our memory and thoughts. Our spiritual ancestors found it important to set aside at least two times, morning and evening, every day for prayer. They also made use of the Psalms as their primary text for prayer and praise. We would benefit to make their pattern our own by offering these readings to God as a morning and evening sacrifice of praise. The advice of Hippolytus, given in the 3rd century, applies just as much in the 21st century, concerning cultivating a discipline of regular daily times of prayer. Hippolytus advises his readers then, and advises us now, If you act so, all ye faithful, and remember these things, and teach them in your turn, you will not be able to be tempted, or to perish, since you have Christ always in memory. Thank you for listening to this program. We can be contacted at mail at restoringthecore.com. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash restoringthecore. You can also follow us on Twitter at RestoreTheCore. My original blog is still active. It is found at schoolofthesolitaryplace.blogspot.com. Thank you for listening. Please join us next time for Finding Hidden Treasure.